Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Parastyle Podcast on a Tuesday. Spring break is over. We are back getting out there on the USC Trojan practice field. Howard Jones Field. Ryan Kennedy Field. Trojans way back practicing. Again, spring football. This will be the second week of spring practice. They got four more weeks, three, three more weeks after this one. So we'll be talking all about what's been going on. And there's a few things going on around the university that might not have anything to do with USC spring football. So we'll talk about those too. I don't know if you, you might've heard if you turn the news on every once in a while, uh, if you have any questions or comments, drop us an email podcast at uscfootball.com. That's the email address. Or if you'd like to call us or text us, the number is 424-254-9141. We do appreciate your calls, your texts and your emails, your tweets. If you want to tweet us out there, you can do that too. Um, today on the show, we got Dan Weber on the line. We got Keely, you're in studio with me, ready to talk some Trojan football. Well, welcome in, Dan. How are you? Very good. Who would have thought um, that the by far high spot, the best, brightest thing going on for USC right now would be football practice? <laughs> huh? Think about that. Is that like the last thing you thought coming into the spring semester that, uh, and by far, we can't wait to get out to the football practice today. Yeah, just begging for that to start again, which a lot of people thought, oh, there's going to be issues, whatever. Well, no, that's like that's like the high point of what's going on right now. We also have Keely Yore in the studio. What's up, Keely? How are you? Hello, hello. Glad to be back. Back, uh, yeah, we were, well, we were on the, the road yep. for uh, a certain Shotgun Spratling's wedding, and now we're back, uh, and football's back, and you guys will be out there. Checking out practice. You looking forward to going back there, Keely? Yes, I'm excited. I thought the little appetizer we got of USC spring football was good, and I want to see more. Oh, nice. So it uh, piqued your interest. It did. It did indeed. Wet the appetite, and now you're ready for the main course, which will be the next four weeks. Uh, Twelve more practices. Uh, should be a lot in pads. We'll see uh, kind of what they do. So on tap today, we got uh, a bunch of your questions. We want to kind of talk about... Some of the major uh, news, I guess, that's been... Can I just say, we have no football-related questions. Are <laughs> there none? all about the scandal. We have two, one slightly related to football, and one's a basketball question. So uh, they, a they basketball question? Yeah, it's actually an interesting question. Really? Sure. It's ba- it's basketball. Like How, how it, interesting could that it's be? it's interesting. All right. Uh, I guess we'll kind of get back to that. But I don't, maybe, maybe we should start with this, um, because if you look at... Um, the front page of the Daily Trojan, and our friend Alicia Deratola retweeted this so I could see it. Um, here's what the front page of, of today's Daily Trojan is. The, the big headline is bribery scheme, national scrutiny, rock USC community, which, okay, we know about the FBI investigation, all that. I think we, we talked about that last week on the show, right? Was that, did that happen last yep. week? Or, yeah, yep. I think we got just, it. Just, just broken. Yep. Yeah. Uh, then USC, so this is all just the headlines on the front page. USC at forefront of national college admission scam. That doesn't seem all that positive. Uh, George, judge orders USC to produce title case documents. Uh, Tidal, like that's the... Uh, Tyndall. He, Tyndall, sorry. Tyndall. He's the um, former gynecologist, right? That There's yeah, decades worth of uh, uh, improprieties there. Federal class action suit alleges unfair admission process. And then also, just for kicks and, you know, shit, oh, sorry, actually, can I say that? <laughs> I'll say it, shits and giggles. USC announces 3.5% tuition hike into all this stuff. So that's the front page of the Daily Trojan, guys. Maybe, uh, you know, uh, calling on the Annenberg School's professional insights into this, maybe USC thought the uh, all the rest of the news was such a big deal that the uh, tuition hike would get uh, get buried. You know how you know how some people they release <laughs> the bad news Friday afternoon late, um, and unfortunately for USC, uh, that's not happening. People are noticing it. I think Ryan, you noticed it right away, and uh, an awful lot of other people noticed it as well. It's just 
you're not you're not hiding that in light of everything else that's going on with USC right now. Yeah, it's one of those things. I'm sure it was approved like a while ago or whatever, but just the optics. Or sometimes you just have to go. You know what? Let's shelve it, or let's. And there's if you read the release, there's all kinds of stuff in there about like it's lower than normal, and you know there's more people get aid at USC than other places and stuff. But it's like all you're gonna look at is all this stuff, and you're you're increasing tuition. And apparently, it goes up every year. Uh, you know, they're saying it was better than inflation recently, but I think over the years it was, it was worse than, you know, it would go to more than inflation, uh, but it, yep. the optics are just bad. Like if you could have just said, why don't we just skip one this year? Like, let, let's just shelve it. We're not going to do a tuition increase. This is not going to look good, but I don't think anyone at USC, Dan can go. That would be the smart thing to do in this case. Well, um, here's a, a, a question to answer your question. Who at USC would actually say that? Or think that? Who is in charge? I mean, the ship is heading, you know, to an iceberg. There's nobody at the wheel. Who would say, hey, that doesn't sound like a good idea. Maybe we shouldn't do it. You know, we, we found this out when we were trying to do everything we could to say, take another look at the Coliseum. This is not a good idea. Don't go this direction. And the, you know, year we spent trying to do that, we found out. No one was in charge. It just was going on its own. It was like there wasn't almost anybody that had the power to say, yeah, you might be right. Let's take another look at that. I'm not sure. At USC right now, who could possibly say, I don't think we should do that. Anybody? Bueller? <laughs> anybody? Yeah. I don't, I don't know that there is such a person. As, as much as USC needed spring ball to start again, like it probably wasn't the best time for a spring break when all this weird stuff was happening. They need a president yeah. to walk through the door and just be like, all right, here's what's, here's what's going to go down. Like they just, it's just, yeah, it's a rudderless ship right now. Yeah, man. And they need a rudder really badly. Uh, and everywhere you look, I mean, it's not just athletics, although athletics is a pretty good symptom of, uh, of what's happened to USC recently um that uh you gotta have somebody in charge you gotta have somebody you know as the pac-12 was finding out also i mean you just you really need you know somebody smart and tough and experienced and um and willing to to do the right thing and just say nope nope this is the right thing we're gonna do this right now uh not happening yeah i don't know what do you think keely you're 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 the most recent uh person that's been in college paying these you know tuition things yeah i mean every year it was you were always bracing yourself for what the increase was going to be it, it's it sucks as someone who is not rich and cannot pay their way into usc um but so is college these days but i mean i just are they that far in the usc bubble that they can't see hey this is gonna look really bad yeah. and like tone deaf. yes they are they are <laughs> That bubble is getting, you know, thicker and thicker and, you know, more solid than uh, you know, we've always kidded about that USC bubble that, that they kind of live in. But it's like impenetrable now, I think, uh, although I think the federal government and lawsuits and, uh, you know, judges' orders and that are going to kind of, you know, break that bubble a little bit. Yeah. And, I, you know, this I tweeted this, too, where it just comes out. And I think there's a lot of USC people are like, look, this has been, so you know, scandal after scandal after scandal. So many bad things happening. I think people have said, OK, that has to be rock bottom. There are people realize, like, just change. You got to do things differently going forward. Something like this comes out. It doesn't I'm not convinced that there's enough people there that realize, yes, there's there's major problems here. Because if you if, if you did, you'd probably say push back on the whole tuition hike thing right now. And they didn't. And so, you know, that's that's the one thing that's a little discouraging, Dan, is like, do the are there people that really just still don't get it? Like, this has been, you know, horrible. Like, stop doing what you're doing. I'm just not sure. I'm sure there's some people that are saying that, but there's it's not everybody. How many people do you think we could talk to at practice this afternoon who would say exactly that? Yeah, it's not that bad. Come on. <laughs> you guys always exaggerate everything. Come on, come on. Ah. You think we could find some people yes. who work for USC who would say that? Yes. Yes, we could. Yeah. Yes, we could. Uh, yep. Whatever. Okay. What, what, what else we got on uh, tap here, Keely? What did we talk about? Oh, 
So I, I don't know if we should. Do, well, let's talk about this first. So I don't know if you guys know, but USC's athletic director uh, going on his third year is almost three years now is this guy named Lynn Swan who played football at USC uh, was, a, you know, Hall of Famer, uh, NFL, four-time Super Bowl champ and stuff. But he doesn't really talk to us as far as the media. We've put a lot of requests in, and uh, he does not speak with the media. If you, athletic directors aren't always out in the forefront, um, but you know, you talk to national media members, and they'll say, "Yeah, USC's athletic director is the most inaccessible that you know of the major programs that they deal with." So he just doesn't want to talk to people. Well, over the weekend at the in Las Vegas at the Pac-12 basketball tournament. He did do an interview, uh, a one-on-one interview. It wasn't with all the media, with Arash Markazi, who's USC grad. We know him well. He's a He was with ESPN for a long time, uh, fairly new to the LA Times. Uh, he's a columnist for the LA Times and got to do a, a full-on interview with Lynn Swan. None of the other local media that were there got to talk to him. Uh, we've put in a lot of requests that hasn't been granted. So it looked to me, and then there was uh, the, the New York Times actually came out criticizing Arash, because Arash is actually an adjunct professor at USC. So he works for USC in a smaller capacity, but he does. Um, and he didn't disclose that in the column. They ended up adding that as an editorial note later. So that kind of tells you they probably should have done it to begin with. But I wanted to get, uh, Dan and Keeley, both of your thoughts on this. Um, to me, it's just it's just bad. It, it looks bad, again, more bad optics, because the LA Times had two columns over the weekend when this broke. Bill Plasky, the longtime columnist, has been there forever, wrote a really scathing column and very critical of Lynn Swan. And Arash Markazi wrote a column that was nicer, that was more about USC still being a special place. He remembers going there and how special it was to him. And Lynn Swan kind of handpicks Arash to do the interview. And none of the local media that cover him, uh, you know, cover USC football on a regular basis. So uh, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on on how that all went down. Yeah, I just think you're just asking for more trouble. And it doesn't do a Ross any good. I know a Ross kind of likes to be the columnist uh, to the stars, you know, or the celebrities, or here I am with so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And he's got a kind of a nice, you know, way of doing that, a nice gig. This probably <clears throat> didn't call for that sort of treatment with uh, here I am at the hotel bar, <clears throat> sitting with, uh, you know, with Lynn Swan, who won't talk to anybody else, but he's talking to me. Uh, I don't know that that was the right time for, you know, sort of a, you know, kind of a softish uh, interview. Uh, there's just too many issues. And then it, it became all about Lynn Swan, and as those things tend to do. And that's not the point, uh, actually, right now. Uh, you know, Lynn, Lynn Swan's part of the, the discussion, but, uh, you know, it's the issues um, you know, that, that really, you know, how did this happen? How, you know, if you say now, oh, we can fix this just like that, we'll be transparent. And you just think, how could you not have been transparent for the last, whatever, eight, nine years, uh, you know, when this was going on? Uh, I mean, what, what's the, you know, what's the basic issue here uh, about USC uh, athletics? And, uh, and, and probably could have really, you know, drilled down a little bit into, you know, was Lynn, one prepared for any of this, any of the kinds of, of, you know, requirements of this job, which, you know, has changed so, you know, dramatically in the last 25, 30 years. I mean, basically, USC's had three straight athletic directors for the last 25 years, whose number one qualification was they were a, a USC football star. Just, you know, no one in college athletics is going in that direction. I mean, that was the, you know, that was the model and the you know, maybe the 60s, 70s, maybe, but people have really gone, they've gone, you know, for professionals in that position. So had they, you know, pursued that a little bit more, uh, maybe, but, uh, but I don't think that that interview, that column did, did Ross any favors, didn't do USC any favors, didn't do the LA Times any favors. That was, uh, was not good work, uh, for anybody involved. And, and people need to think through, you know, if you say at USC, Let's go to Ross. He kind of understands the USC culture. It's like hiring a coach who knows the fight song. Uh, you know, Ross knows the fight song. Um, maybe that's not the direction USC should keep going. Get out of the bubble. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think, Keely? I mean, 
You, you had Arash as a professor, right? Yeah, I was I was in his first class at USC that he was a professor. That was a weird sentence that I phrased. But yeah, so I have my own biases here. So I know Arash, he's a great guy. So I don't I don't think it was this this uh like devious thing that, oh, I'm gonna go in there and, and do a, a nice uh write up on Lynn Swan, but I do think it is a mistake. I think it's a mistake not to disclose that. I think, like you said, that there is an editor's note shows that there was probably there should have been th- more thought about the perceived biases that Arash could have had. I just, I, as far as his yin to the yang of Bill Plaschke's critical column of Lynn Swan, I just, I don't understand the thought process that if you're a USC alum, you can't be critical of your former university. I think if you are a good alum, you are critical and want the best of your university. And right now, USC is not at its best. It's not its, at its peak, and it's okay to be critical. So I don't, I don't really agree with the article that like USC is still a great place. It's like, no, right now I don't think so, and and you're allowed to be critical for that. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, I I think there were some good points in there. Like it is still an amazing place, and a lot like, a lot of the people there are great. Yeah, you know, no, no. I'm not, I'm not talking about the people. I'm just talking about the oversight. Right. The people who were hurt in the, the leadership scandal, is like, not, yeah. like George Tyndall, like how do you have let that happen? Stuff like that. The people in the, I know a lot of people who work there and they're great people, but as an institution, there are things that need to be cleaned up. Right. And it sucks because it's at the top where yes. that's where there are people in the athletic department that are trying to do the right thing and they're fighting this uphill battle and they're not, their voices aren't heard. Yeah. And I think you're seeing this probably throughout the university with the scandals in the, you know, I'm, I think there was a lot of people in the medical school that were like, hey, this is wrong and nobody was fixing it because the guy at the top was making a lot of money. And that's on the culture around there, you know, and I, I the culture is broken. Um, it just it, it's just more bad optics uh, for something like that. And I, you know, I like Arash a lot. I've known him for a very long time. Um, I don't, you know. It was fine, but I would have been, I would just rather have other people there asking some questions too, not just the, like Dan said, the exclusive one-on-one celebrity. Like, I think Lynch wants to look at himself as a celebrity sort of thing here and not like the athletic director is like the sort of a side gig. He's still doing like paid autograph signings around the, you know, different things and stuff. Like, you know, when you're going to Augusta, it's just a weird just a weird dynamic. He's not like immersed himself as being the athletic director. He's sort of like doing it, but he still has his other life. Yeah. And I, I, I just think, I don't know that USC sees it maybe can able, you know, to step back. For example, I really think, you know, that interview with Ross turned out to be Lynn, uh, you know, and Ross making it about Lynn, which isn't where that's not the problem at USC right now. The problems at USC are much bigger and, 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 you know, Lynn is only, you know, a, a small part of it. And that, you know, you, you tend to not see the, the big picture, I think, you know, at USC right now. And, uh, you know, you've got to, I think, start seeing the big picture. I mean, first of all, I still remember if you were, you know, growing up in the Midwest or whatever, and you'd read about Los Angeles and, you know, you'd read about, oh, like the corner uh, in Los Angeles would be the corner to the stars, you know. And Los Angeles is a different place. And if you're USC and you're the biggest employer, you know, in the in Los Angeles and you've got all these, you know, things going up, you're going to be in the center of a lot of stuff. Uh, and if you become one of these really exclusive, uh, you know, universities where 13 percent of the, uh, you know, applicants get admitted, I mean, just on its face, you're going to realize there are a lot of people that want to get in here. There are a lot of people around here with a lot of money. Uh, we have to be scrupulously, you know, clean in terms of how we do these uh, these things. And I don't know that USC was paying attention enough uh, to, you know, to all the possible pitfalls and, and how you have to be able to, you know, look at all your processes and say, you know, is this thing, you know, is this transparent enough? Is this, um, you know, the idea... Just in the, you know, the, the one thing that, that involved USC athletics uh, with the walk-ons being put on a, you know, the preferential admissions list was so obviously, I mean, the guy in Newport Beach figured it out, uh, how, you know, easily that, that could be manipulated. No one at USC could figure that out. Uh, you know, how could the coaches, for example, not say, we want to see the list that's going in for our team? I mean, you have to demand that. Was there a reason that they couldn't demand that of Donna Heinel? 
did she have some, you know, position or uh, was she unapproachable in, in certain ways? And why was that? Why couldn't you question Donna Heinel without, you know, getting blowback? Uh, you know, everybody ought to be able to be questioned, but it didn't look like she was able to be questioned. Why was that? Was that a something more than just the athletic department involved in, you know, in that whole process that, uh, that the coaches couldn't find out who was being submitted for their walk-ons and who got accepted and who didn't get accepted and, and all of that is just ridiculous. I mean, it's just, it, it's just, it's beyond uh, imagination that that was allowed to happen at a place you know, like USC. Crazy. Well, should we, uh, anything else, Keila, you want to jump into questions or, uh, we will probably discuss this more when we get into questions. We will? We're not going to move on beyond these crazy <laughs> no, things. I don't think so. Uh, we have an email from James Betancourt who says the program is being run like a failed lemonade stand. And if any of the big corporations, UPS, FedEx, Toyota, Microsoft were run this way, they would fire a lot of administrators. Yeah, I don't hear a lot of talk about firing any of these. And he has a he has a typo that's bad administrators, but it's like administrators. And he said that was actually a typing error, but I left it in there because it really describes the situation <laughs> at a seat. Do you ever think that there will be a straw that breaks the camel's back and the fans, major donors, alumni just become so angry that USC is forced to fire some people and hire some really competent people, even if they have to spend some money? Heaven forbid. Well, they're already having to spend some money. I mean, you know, this, they're, you know, penny wise and pound foolish uh, at USC right now. I mean, I, you know, whatever it takes to get the best president, for example, in the country, it would be, you know, completely worth it. I mean, it, it shouldn't even think twice. You know, if you have a shot at the guy or, or gal who you think is exactly the right person, I think money should be no object because what it's cost USC to not be able to, you know, to oversee everything that's happening at USC is, is you know, going to far outstrip anything that they could possibly pay a president. It's kind of like with a football coach. You say, oh, what if you hired this guy? He, you know, he would need six or seven million dollars a year. Uh, and you say, yeah, but season tickets would go up 20 million, you know, the next day or whatever. Uh, you got to kind of look at some of those things and say, you know, money should not be any object at USC, although we think it has been in terms of just in athletics, in terms of, you know, assistant coaches, salaries and uh, uh, staff people and all of that. Uh, uh, it needs to, you know, it needs to, I think somebody at USC has to be more able to look at, you know, what's the payoff for spending this money. And it's not like you've got a choice anymore. Everybody's spending money. I mean, uh, you know, the rest of the PAC 12, they're spending money they don't have since it didn't come through with, you know, the TV deals and all that. But, uh, but everybody's spending money. And at the top where USC top five, all time, you know, college football program, those schools are really spending money. I think USC at least has to be, you know, in the mix, uh, you know, with that, that top five group and, uh, and they're not. And uh, I think somebody at USC has to make the case of why they should be in that group. And I'm not sure there is somebody, uh, I mean, and you know, we probably had a, a couple of athletic directors who are in the top one in terms of getting paid, uh, when nobody else on the staff is. And, and that's probably not a good thing either. We have an email from Scott from Brentwood who says, in light of the avalanche of federal investigations, personnel cover-ups, and general incompetence, would it be fair to not only question the leadership of senior officials at USC and the athletic department, but maybe start taking a look at the leadership of the board of trustees? How is it possible for a group of 57 mostly billionaire people to perform effective oversight of the largest employer in Los Angeles County? What do you think it would take to have the board reformed and actually held accountable for the lack of oversight rega- regarding the Coliseum renovations, athletic department incompetence slash corruption, etc.? Thanks and fight on, Scott. I think the, the really tough situation there is because of the expansion, you know, 257 or so. And, for example, the last dust up over, uh, you know, cashiering the, uh, the dean of the business school, uh, you know, Dean Ellis, uh, was that, they supposedly had a report um, that he wasn't even allowed to see. And uh, they said, oh, they would let the, the um, members of the board, if they wanted to, they could come in and read it like in a secure room, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, if you're at the Pentagon or, 
or somewhere, and you've got uh, you know some top secret document. But the problem is, if you're in Singapore or Hong Kong or where a lot of you know the new board members are, they're not coming in, you know, for a day uh, to read you know read some document that's in some secure room. So I think the leadership in the board has been, uh, to say the least, the last. I mean, here we are. The last picture we got of the boardroom uh, board was it sounded like uh, you had a couple of billionaires on this side and a couple of billionaires on that side, and they were throwing chairs at one another. I mean, it's like, where does that go? You know, I mean, uh, so it's kind of interesting. We haven't heard a thing, uh, you know, out of the board in the last uh, three or four weeks. I mean, it, they've gone completely, um, completely silent. And, you know, we should be in the home stretch of selecting a president. Uh, I think uh, the president has pretty much, uh, you know, sway in terms of, uh, uh, you know, who's on the board and who who gets selected and all that. And that's always going to be a problem at USC because of the celebrity culture, you know, here in you know Southern California. Uh, but uh, I think one of the candidates that we've hear, we've heard about, uh, you know, for the president's job is someone. Uh, who just got uh, just re- you know resigned at University of North Carolina, where they had a 28 member uh, board of trustees that was apparently you know that the, the, the president and the, the board were never able to get together at all, and there were all kinds of you know issues, and that was just 28 people. So uh, when you look at the 57 member USC board, that's just ridiculous. There's just no so. You know, then you're going to have an executive committee, which is a small group that's kind of, kind of try to take over. And then the rest of the guys who they say, well, wait a minute, what did you do with the, the dean of the business school? We didn't want you to do that. That wasn't fair. That wasn't right. Um, it's not good government. Let's say that good governance, I guess, is, is how you would say it at USC. Um, but the 57 member board is uh, with, you know, voting members is almost impossible, I would think. Yeah. We got a, uh, a voicemail question. It uh, happens, uh, it's going to mention maybe the athletic director and not really be a big fan of them, but, you know, we've, it's been a common theme, but I'll play this one for you and get your thoughts, Dan. Here you go. JD from D.C. with this week's question for Dan. Dan, this week's inept, contradictory, and self-indicting interview of the USC athletic director by the Times underscored that Lynn Swan has never had any true executive or managerial experience in any capacity, let alone remotely related to an athletics department. In fact, he's never run anything. Are we surprised he hasn't put in place standard accountability and control mechanisms and is clueless as to what his direct report's up to? Heinel must have been thrilled to know this novice shore host was named the athletic director. And my question is, do you really think nobody else in Heritage Hall wasn't equally delighted and hasn't also taken advantage of this supervisory vacuum? Swan Delenda Est. Dan, you just knew your Finneytown Hilton Latin would come in handy one day, right? That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think the problem when you hire a, a celebrity uh, to be the athletic director uh, is that the celebrity, and, and, and not just you know, in the in the case of Lynn Swan, they've spent most of their life being a celebrity, being famous, being the guy who, you know, threw this pass or caught this pass or whatever for this team. Uh, they're not exactly the kind of person that's used to, uh, you know, putting an organization together and making it about the organization. Uh, it's always been about them. And they're good at that, obviously, or they wouldn't have been able to do what they did. But that doesn't necessarily translate at all into the kind of person who can, you know, see where all the, you know, the pitfalls are and put in all the, the kinds of organizational things. The USC has always been, you know, kind of a seat of the pants athletic department. And they just kind of, you know, go from, you know, this to this to this. And I just think there's so many more things that can go wrong today. There's so much more competition. There's so much more money, so much, so much more expertise required. I mean, for example, Pat, you know, Hayden was just barely on the job when they uh, sat down for the, uh, you know, the first organizational meetings uh, and all the agreements for the Pac-12. I mean, basically, USC was unarmed in those discussions. They, they weren't really represented because they didn't have anybody that knew enough 
you know, to represent USC. And and that's been the case, you know, here for eight, nine years where uh, the world is moving really fast and, you know, in college athletics. And there are a lot of smart people doing a lot of things that, that matter. And USC just hasn't been in, you know, I mean, it's, you hear things like, well, USC has, yeah, they may have one of the worst Nike contracts, but the next time, they'll get it right the next time. It was just a bad timing uh, for that bad Nike contract where UCLA gets three and a half times more a year, uh, you know, for their Under Armour contract and USC gets from Nike. Or uh, uh, what was, let's see, one of the, oh, right now, USC lost their, uh, lost their radio station, 710 ESPN not going to do the USC game anymore just things like that really you got to be you know more of a a businessman and more of an expert in in, in elite college athletics uh and you can't just be kind of a celebrity who was famous for playing football hard to argue with that So we have another question that has to deal with Mr. Swan. Uh, Stephen Poway says, any chance the FBI cheating scandal goes all the way to Lynn Swan's office? Should he have known about this? Is this a fireable offense if he didn't know and should have known? Stephen Poway. I think there's a really good chance he didn't know. (laughs) I mean, I think if you had to bet, you would certainly come down on the side of uh, he, he, he didn't know, uh, at all uh that would be that'd be where i'd come down no i I don't think uh i don't think there's any any hint of of, you know self-dealing there or you know no i would i'd I'd really be shocked if if any of that happened i just think you know there was a you know nobody was on watch and nobody knew they should be on watch or they had to be and somebody took advantage of it for reasons uh that we still don't, I think, completely understand all of what was going on, all of what was benefiting who, but, uh, but no, I don't, I don't yeah. think so. Hey, I, don't, Dad, I, I agree with you. I don't think he knew, but I do feel like there's questions. Should he have known what was going on? Right. And when, when you read the Arash story, when he talks about being blindsided, that's where you'd kind of like want to get some follow-ups or like, well, should you have been blindsided? You're the running the department. Like if you're blindsided, that means, are you asleep at the wheel? And to have one person uh, with so much power and zero oversight, and he's saying, oh, we're going to change that now. Well, if you come into an organization three years ago, you'd look at that and go, well, how's this set up? Oh, why does that person have all this oversight? Let's have another person there. Like that's something that's on your shoulders. So I don't look at it as, yeah, I don't think he knew, but for her, you know, to be able to run rampant like that and to be able to have this outside business that a lot of people felt was a conflict of interest and holding events from her outside business on campus. To me, there's enough warning signs there that there was enough red flags that, hey, you probably would have figured out what was going on here. If you had a, a more experienced athletic director, they probably would have said, no, this isn't right. Lin Swan didn't do that. So I don't think he knew, but should he have known? I think he could have figured something out here. Well, that, that, you know, gets into that whole NCAA, you know, gray area. And we're not saying that these things go directly to the NCAA. But the way the NCAA looks at things, uh, uh, in terms of they've tried to make the head coach much more responsible for anything that happens in his program, and basically say, if it happens, you had to know about it. Uh, I think that standard really should apply, uh, at, you know, at USC. I know all I was, you know, once upon a time, as, as an SID at Xavier, uh, I was also the number two person in the athletic department. The athletic director was also our basketball coach. It was the only way we could pay him. So, uh, so I did, you know, most of the, the job of the athletic director. I'll guarantee you, if, if, you know, had I been at USC, <clears throat> there is no way Donna Heinel is allowed to have that kind of authority uh, with no one, you know, overseeing what it was she was doing and she wouldn't have probably liked that but uh and maybe made it you know confrontation with her difficult so people avoided that but you would have absolutely said you know we want to see you know at least the coaches see the complete list and all the you know the bio information and what the resume looks like for every kid and if they get rejected why all of those kinds of things and uh that that didn't happen, that the coaches were kept in the dark. Uh, it just, 
you know, unforgivable in a lot of ways. And does that come down on Lynn? Yeah. Does it come down on Pat? Yep. Yep. You got to do that. You got to ask those questions. You can't let anybody. I mean, you're not doing Donna Heidel any favors with giving her that kind of freedom uh, with nobody uh, asking her what she's doing. Yeah. It didn't, how, did, how did that turn out for her? The Daily Trojan also had a pie chart showing like the number of athletes that got through. So in most of the universities, it was like one. I think Georgetown might have had four. Um, but you're talking about, okay, this was this elaborate scheme to get one player in. And with USC, they had the on the pie chart 16, but then the number in the article said 24. But there was there was a lot. This was happening a lot. So if you didn't catch it at UCLA, you didn't catch it at Stanford, it was one dude like slipping through the cracks. At USC... It was multiple players, multiple sports over these years. So I think I feel like USC, there was a lot more opportunity to catch it. Maybe there's a reason there was only one school that had an athletic administrator on it, uh, and that was USC. Well, and USC, again, has to admit to itself, we are the target here. USC was a place that a lot of, you know, people with a lot of money would have liked their kids to go to school. You know, even if their kids weren't very interested in going to school. I mean, you know, so USC had to be on the lookout for that and he had to start correlating. I mean, when those checks came in to the athletic department, uh, the women of Troy or whatever, through Donna, did anybody say, huh, I wonder why this person is donating to USC? Did anybody call that person up and say, huh, I just saw you're a brand new donor. Uh, what got you involved with USC? How, what, can we do anything for you? You know? Whatever, and they'd probably say, "No, nah, you've already done plenty, or whatever." But uh, by the way, I just saw this number. You want it, want some numbers that that scare you to death? There were only ten Power Five schools that missed on a bowl game in football and the NCAA tournament in basketball. There are only ten in the whole country. Five of them are from the Pac-12. Whoa. Two of them are named USC and UCLA. What does that tell you about the void in uh, in Los Angeles when it comes to uh, athletic excellence right now? But that's an unbelievable number. Just 10 of the 130, I guess, uh, Power 5 schools. Crazy. Only, uh, only, only 10, and five were from the Pac-12, and two of them are USC and UCLA. That's scary bad. Yeah. Not good. Uh, we have one final scandal-related question. Okay. Tom in South Bay says, I saw on Twitter a picture of Olivia Jade, who's the daughter of Lori Laughlin, who got indicted, uh, in a yacht in the Bahamas that belonged to the chairman of the board of USC, Mr. Caruso. Is that true? If so, there should be a serious investigation and cleaning house from the top to the bottom of this rotten organization. Thank you, Fight On, Tom in South Bay. You know, I don't disagree at all. I don't know who would do that. I mean, who would order that? How, you know, if you had a president, maybe they would do it. You know, who, who's going to do that? Uh, and because of the, you know, the conflict on the board, you know, it's, it's kind of divided. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if, you know, Olivia Jade, for example, clearly probably didn't want to go to college for any of the reasons that you would think, okay, this is why you'd go to college. But, no. but. It was Again, like content not, for her, for her YouTube channel. Like, uh, hey, I'm at the dorm and here I'm doing my, there was like, I saw a video of her, like, they're like, you guys are telling me I'm never talking about school. She was always talking about like how she's organizing her dorm room or her makeup and stuff like that. Like it was basically, she was there for content from what I saw. Well, and I, who can blame her? She has <laughs> 2 million YouTube followers and 1.3 on Instagram and she gets paid by all, or was getting paid, some of them don't pay her anymore, <laughs> but, but she was getting paid by, you know, as an quote-unquote influencer. It's like the whole concept of being an influencer, that, that you could do things that would influence kids to do this, scares me to death, obviously. But she's already a success in whatever that <clears throat> field is. Uh, she could probably be teaching a class at USC and how you do this. I mean, I don't know how, how did she do it? I mean, uh, uh, I don't know. She wasn't the one that couldn't figure out how to fill out the, uh, uh, you know, application form. But, uh, but I thought it was particularly tone deaf when she showed her, her room, the, the decor of her room. And did you notice the focal point 
uh, of the decor in her dorm room at USC, the big letters, big initials, uh, sort of a crystal, you know, design, OJ. Yes. Her, <laughs> Olivia Jade. And the big feature in her room are the initials OJ. Now, yeah. I'm not sure. Could you ask her, do you know what OJ means at USC? Do you have any idea? I'm guessing Olivia Jade probably has A million dollars no says she has no clue. None. No whatsoever. idea what OJ signifies at USC. But, you know, her job is to, to do stuff like that. That's what she does. I mean, she actually works at her job. It might not be one that you would think, gosh, I'm not sure that's, uh, you know, furthering USC's academic interests. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, and, so, and you wish somebody at USC would have said, huh, I wonder when she's going to have time to do crew, when she's doing all this. And, you know, just ask that question. If that's why she's in USC. Did, did, if you're in the admissions department and you sat on that committee, and you see some of this going on, doesn't like some little light bulb go off in your head and you say, wait a minute, isn't she the one that we allowed in because of her interest in crew? She doesn't look like a crew person to me. You know, there were no oars in her room uh, on the wall, I didn't think. No. So. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was that was kind of interesting to see. And, that you know, there's... She it, is best friends with Rick Caruso's daughter. Right. That's so what, that is the caveat there. It wasn't just like Rick was like, hey, Olivia, come on my yacht. You right. Know? And the, but then it makes oh, you wonder. Like, how, did you think any possibility that the Caruso's didn't have any understanding about Olivia Jade's admissions situation? Or, uh, I mean, it's just it's hard to imagine that that, that was some topic that was never mentioned yeah or if you're friends with rick caruso why can't he just get you in like there's you know there's because there's the other aspect of this this was cheating there was government you know fraud you're talking about donating to charities and writing it off on your taxes like failed you know your bribes were counting as charities you know charitable donations that you were writing off so there's all that you know acts that aspect of it but there's still like if if you own if you are big alumni and you donate a building you can get your kid into school like that's still like I mean, that's legal that's nothing wrong with like, but you could argue that maybe that's not the right thing to do either but they're having the connections to the chairman of the board of trustees you would think would get you into school with the celebrity status and all that kind of stuff and I'm not saying it's in USC's you know is it in USC's best interest to allow someone that is an influencer that look you know brings a celebrity aspect to it. You know, maybe she doesn't have the grades that someone else has, but she's bringing something to the table. Just like if you're a quarterback that's really good at what he does, you can get them in. I mean, maybe there is a place for someone like, oh, she's got two million followers on 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 uh, YouTube. This is going to help USC to have someone like that in the school. Like, you can make those kind of arguments, just like if you're at your athletic prowess. Um, but I don't know. But the, where, you know, they did something that was illegal, obviously. So that can't stand. But there's people getting into school all the time for other reasons besides just their academic standing. Yeah, I would have made that argument. I mean, if I'm on the admissions committee and I see somebody who's a quote unquote influencer with 3.3 million followers, I'd say, you know what, <clears throat> if we can get her to go to class, that might not be a bad person to have in, you know, in school. You wish they hadn't gone the route of saying, you know, they're interested in, and maybe that's USC's processes. Maybe if you're interested in walking on on crew, <clears throat> you ought to almost, you know, and you're going to get a bonus for that in the admissions, uh, you know, considerations. <clears throat> maybe there ought to be other considerations, like a person that has 3.3 million followers uh, as an influencer. Maybe they ought to get a, a uh, you know, a comparable uh, bump in their, you know, admissions. Uh, I mean, you know, stuff like that just didn't happen. She had to do, you know, do something to become a uh, an influencer. So, uh, so yeah. So, I'm not sure that athletics ought to be involved in the same way they are. But if they are, it has to be just absolutely transparent, completely. Yeah. I mean, the idea that they were photoshopping heads on <laughs> other bodies or, or making a, you know. 145 pound kid, a you know walk on snapper or a 5'5 kid, a uh, you know basketball. 
walk-on or, you know, a pole vaulter for a kid, I'm guarantee you, you know, as hard as it is to pole vault to make somebody a pole, make, just make it up that they're a pole vaulter, you know, they get killed. I mean, you talk about, just you can't even imagine. I mean, pole vaulting is such a specialized skill. Uh, you know, I mean, just the thought that they would, would go to pole vaulting. I mean, <laughs> I, I know. Now, Keely, you had a weird look on your face when I was saying this. And I, and I keep thinking of like, do you remember when Miley Cyrus came to a football game? Yeah, and the like, Cal game. And the Cal, and she was making out with uh, like Schwarzenegger's kid who goes to USC or something. But like, I thought it was Clint Eastwood, or was it? Cl- I don't know. It was uh, some celebrity sure. kid. Yes. But isn't like if your if your football team's good, like admission, like applications go up. If people know, like, hey, Miley Cyrus is coming to school, and say her grades are borderline, like, but you get her in because she's Miley Cyrus. Is that? I mean, that's probably not the best thing, but maybe it's good for the long term business of the school because you get thousands more people applying uh, to come to school just because you admit Miley Cyrus. Like, so is it worth letting her in? So if you have an influencer, I'm I'm not saying it's right, but you gave this look like that's not the right thing. Because I'm purely, logically, that makes sense. Sure. I'm thinking purely from a, just six years ago, I was pulling all-nighters and filling out applications. And, and I'm coming from the standpoint of why are we going to give someone who already is born with such advantages more advantages, you know? Yeah. And, and maybe that's a selfish point of view for my part. But as someone who went to school and, and stressed and had meltdowns over what which college I'm going to go to, I just think about other students like that who maybe will go to every class and enjoy the process where you have someone like Olivia Jade being like, maybe I'll go to class, you know? So yeah. that's what that initial face was for. Gotcha. Although maybe Olivia Jade watches uh, Instant Analysis <laughs> and, and her dreams, she wanted to be the next, uh, uh, you know, Keely Year. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> By the way, okay, I'll do this just for Keeley's benefit. As a high school coach in Kentucky, uh, one of the better tight ends I ever scouted because we were playing them, uh, Russell, Kentucky, was <clears throat> Billy Ray Cyrus. I still remember. <laughs> so uh, he was a very good football player, by the way. Wow. Her dad. Oh, nice. Dan always has a story, a personal I know, story. with greatness. You just can't believe it. Um, yep. So – uh, probably enough scandal talk, I yes. guess. Or you guys, what are you guys looking forward to seeing this week? We have two more questions. Oh, man. we do. Oh. Yes. Well, can on. we talk a little spring football first, or we got sure. we got to hurry? Let's, let's no, I thought you were wrapping up the podcast. Oh, I just no, I was okay. looking yes. at spring football. Let's do it. Just you know, that's happening. It's, it's going to be later today. Dan, anything you're kind of looking forward to this week? Well, after the I, week I think by my calculation, uh, looking up the NCAA rules on uh, on full pay contact and that, and I think you're allowed eight of the eight of the fifteen, and I think basically USC's gone through three without. They weren't tackling and they weren't thudding and all that Saturday, so I think they've gone with three without. So I think of the final twelve, I think they're allowed to have eight eight full contact, and they're allowed three um, full tackling. Uh, more than 50% scrim and scrimmage. Uh, so those would be the next three Saturdays. But I think the thing that is going to determine a lot about this team is, you know, do they get rid of the soft label? I mean, they're, it's an embarrassment that USC would put out teams that, that basically everybody who plays them says they're soft. Uh, do they develop, you know, do we start seeing the toughness quotient come in? I will, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing what the defensive line that I thought really under underperformed last year with the athletes it had, uh, and the offensive line, how they come together, two different, you know, kinds of, you know, athletes and two different, you know, uh, things that they're trying to do. But I really want to see, you know, the offensive and defensive lines um, go against one another as groups and, and how, that, how that starts to come together because, uh, you know, it starts there, and we need that kind of physicality and toughness and, and, uh, you know, violent edge a little bit that we just haven't seen in years. And that's, you know, been the, you know, the difficult problem of having three straight head coaches who were quarterbacks and did never hit anybody, did never get hit. Um, I, I, I just want to see them, you know, develop a, a notion that, you know, nobody's going to be tougher, uh, you know, on the field than USC. And, and I, I'd like to see that, you know, in spring. And they've got to, you know, obviously monitor it with uh, 
the thin uh, numbers in the secondary. But, uh, but that's what I'm looking for, some real you know, physicality and a real determination that, um, that this team is going to be tough and physical and uh, no more soft. Yeah, there were some tweets going around you showing people. It was like showing like a USC drill from like the Steve Sarkeesian era. There were people talking about like, you know, reminiscing about fall camp or something. It was showing like an Oklahoma drill. And I was like, that'd be good to see, you know, something like that. I think, I think Oregon did one too, Dan, that you commented on. I saw that. Yeah. Oregon has been sending out stuff because Oregon's got that reputation as well. And I think they're trying, you know, with an SEC guy and a Miami guy. Uh, and Cristobal, uh, hey, we're not that team anymore. We're going to hit you. We're going to come after you. They're, they're clearly, that's the, uh, you know, the intention of the video that's coming, you know, the videos that are coming out of Oregon spring ball. I think USC has to go in that same direction. Yeah. What about you, Kaylee? What are you looking forward to this week? I think from a general perspective, I'm just going to see, you know, I mentioned an appetizer of the first week. I'm seeing what carries over into the next four weeks because, you know, in the 2018 season, mock game week was probably the best week of practice that USC had. So can they sustain this level of energy and competitiveness that we saw in the first week? Does that those uh, new tenants that they're trying to install really stay over the next couple of weeks? Um, and just more minute, just how the coaches gel. Um, I'm just curious, as everyone else, how this offense develops and, and, and how it evolves into what Graham Harrell is going to make it beat. Yeah, we got the gluten-free main course for Keeley coming up, right? <laughs> sure, yes. Yeah, no more appetizers now. Uh, hitting the ground. No running. more vegan. No, no vegan uh, diet either. No uh, protein. We need a, a protein. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, a little more red meat. A little red meat for this uh, USC fan base and this football team. Yeah, I'm getting a little hungry now. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, what, we, what else we got, Keeley? Uh, Scotty and HB says, who came up with the gumbo name for our previous offense? I've always found that hilarious, but a true description of our offense. I heard Alicia de Ortola referencing it in the Reina Troy podcast with Ryan, but I think the gumbo originated on the peristyle. Thanks again and fight on. Well, I, 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 it, it goes to a guy from uh, gumbo territory. Uh, it was T Martin who, uh, out of mobile, uh, and T was the one that, uh, because T couldn't describe it as anything like what was it? What focus? Uh, T knew it was a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of this. I mean, there was no, you know, like it was just, you know, how you make gumbo where you take, you know, this and that and the other thing and you, you know, you know, throw it in a pot and, and cook it up. And uh, so I thought that was a, a very uh, insightful name that T, uh, T Martin came up with. And it was, you know, kind of, T. Martin going back to his uh, mobile roots, uh, but uh, uh, it was T. Yep. So T. Martin. We yeah. Can't claim any credit for that. Right. I don't. I don't know if he realized that it was going to like catch on like I that. I mean, we jumped on it. I, I thought it was so perfect. I think I used it fifty times, maybe the first you know few weeks, just because it's so perfectly described the what USC was doing. You know that there was stuff in there from Pete. Stuff in there from Lane, stuff in there from Sark, stuff in there from the Helton brothers, uh, you know, stuff in there from everybody, uh, from obviously from T. But uh, there wasn't any one, you know, this is who we are, this is what we do, this is how we do it. There wasn't, there was like, well, if this doesn't work, well, we'll try this, or maybe we'll, you know, do that, or, you know, that, that's what it was. We got one last one, Keely. One final. Does this really count if it's basketball, though? Do we? It does count. Okay. Um, it's John in Oakland says, "Let's say both Andy Enfield and the Lakers' Luke Walton are both fired in the next month or so. Would Walton make a good choice for USC? I know that some are lobbying hard for him to take the UCLA or Arizona jobs, but the expectations for immediate success and family name association pressures could doom him from the start." Taking on a project like USC might allow him to succeed at his own schedule. Thoughts? I like him. He, uh, I got to talk to him a good bit. I, I was covering um, US, or UCLA basketball also for, for a while while I was also covering USC football. And um, uh, he was playing at Arizona, and I really you know, I just liked everything about him. And I certainly liked uh, uh, you know, what he did when he stepped in with the Warriors. Um, I think he's in an absolutely, you know, no win situation with LeBron 
and the Lakers. I don't think there's any, you know, possible way, you know, you could survive there. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't have any objection at all. I think, uh, uh, and if I'm Arizona and if I'm UCLA, I'm looking at him, uh, uh, very favorably as well. But one would think he's not going to be at the Lakers. Uh, so he's going to be available. And, uh, he's always, uh, been somebody that, you know, that I like and, uh, you know, having the dad, having his dad around, uh, that would be interesting. I mean, Bill has become, I, I really enjoy him. I know he drives some people crazy, uh, but, uh, uh, I, I think it would be a plus. It'd be a net plus. I don't, you know, the, the interest in USC basketball now is to the point, I know they've got a great recruiting class coming in, but, uh, uh, the interest has dropped off to the point where, you know, nobody wants to, uh, really get involved with USC because they, they know they're, they're just not going to play through the whole season as they showed once again this year, and uh, they're not dependable. And uh, USC just needs the right coach, whether that would be Luke Walton or Rick Pitino. I don't, you know, but they need somebody to get people going. And and I just think after six years, you kind of know whether something's going to work or not. doesn't seem to be. Uh, Well, I mean, according to the Lin Swan and his story, he likes the stability. Um, Enfield's not going anywhere. He's got a good recruiting class coming in, or really, you know, amazing recruiting class coming in, right? So at least last I checked, I don't know, I haven't paid much attention to that. But um, so, like, you don't really get rid of a guy and blow up the recruiting class. So I don't think that's something like that's happening anyway. Maybe maybe, uh, Luke Walton takes a year off. I guess theoretically, if you wanted to make the case that you could keep the coach whose two sons, the 6'10 and the 7-footer, are part of that, you know, maybe part of that class if the younger one reclassifies. Uh, you could keep the coach, save the class, and still make that. I'm not saying that's what you should do, but you probably could finesse that if you really wanted to. Uh, but we'll see. Well, that wraps it up for our mailbag. Nice. Um, this was an interesting podcast. It was. I feel uh, like we had a lot of opinions. There's a lot of opinions. I feel like some might get us in trouble. I don't know why. I had that feeling. You know, I, I, you talked to some people around, and and after the season, five and seven. I mean, there was just so much negativity and stuff going on. And you can be critical of, hey, they should have done this, they should have done that. The offense stunk here. They did whatever. Like there's, that's fine. And and maybe sometimes you can go a little bit too far. But when you're talking about stuff that's on CNN and uh, in every news outlet and they're talking about USC being this joke, like it's all in the national news. Like there's nothing like we can't avoid that. Like True. it's it's this isn't us like nitpicking like this is I mean, is the tuition, you know, hike nitpicking like I saw that and I'm like, you can't be serious. This is happening right now. And and I look at some tweets from national media members that are saying the exact same thing I'm thinking, like timing is terrible, blah, blah, blah. So it's like, okay, I'm not going, I'm not looking to try to yeah, poke, no. I'm like say something bad about USC. Everybody is saying it. Like it's hard to not you if you if you don't, you're just ignoring what the problem is. And I don't think that's doing anyone any favors. You're not trying to be out here, be negative and stuff, but it's just there's it's just there. It's like you can't avoid it. Agreed. But I'll be a little bit of a contrarian here. Okay. A number of the stories that started this week, and I just saw one today, and it says the first, uh, the lead says um, at Stanford, Yale, uh, it's, it's at elite colleges like Stanford, Yale, and USC. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, you're in the same sentence with Stanford and Yale as an elite university. That was USC's dream for years and years that they would get classified yeah. with Stanford and Yale. And they are. I mean, that thing, that's been written a thousand, ten thousand times this week. Elite universities like Stanford, Yale, and USC. That's actually worth something. It's a terrible way to end up there, but it's not, I mean, it's just the way of the world, to be honest. Yeah. Keely, you always like I mean, the, uh, the food analogy. So this is sort of like you want to be involved in like, okay, uh, there's a eco 
E. coli outbreak at Michelin star restaurants. You know, like, oh, you're gosh. like, you're still a Michelin star restaurant. You're like, oh, I didn't know I was a Michelin star restaurant. <laughs> now we had the E. coli breakout, but I am a Michelin star <laughs> restaurant. You know what I mean? Like, is that pretty good off the top of my head? You want uh, food analogy? Is that not good? That's a good analogy. I'm, if it is the exact analogy, USC is in a little trouble, though, because people stop going to those uh, restaurants where you have E. coli outbreaks. So uh, True. we'll see. That would send them in the other direction. Yeah. But it's like you're, you're in this group that maybe you weren't supposed to be in. You're like, Oh yeah. Like if you're, you know, you're, you're at school and you want to be in detention with like the nerds or like, Oh, I got detention for smoking with the cool kids. And you're like, (laughs) not really a cool kid. You're like, yeah, me and the quarterback of the football team and the point guard of the basketball. Yeah, we 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 all got detention for smoking. They're like, "Whoa, you're hanging out with the cool kids," you know. So right, that's what basically this now is. That's a good one. I, I I'll take that one. That's a good one. Actually, come on, Kelly. You never got caught smoking in the bathroom in high school. No, or? I didn't. I didn't. I was not a smoker, but I would I would drink in high school, but not. I wasn't tisk, smoking. Tisk, I Ryan. Uh, we would get in trouble for stuff like that. But whatever, you know. That's Do like, the means justify the ends? No, I'm not. I'm not justifying oh. this at all. I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying, there's a scandal, but there's there's this side benefit to the scandal that you are in this other group that you might not have been in before. But at what cost? Is it really worth it? You you're like at the Mean Girls table. Like that's what were you a Mean Girl when you were in high school? No, you were not. You were. Do nice. I seem like a Mean Girl? You kind of like you get mad at me and stuff. Wow, you're tweeting bad things. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, but what was? Well, uh, I, I think it's it's one of those things where. If it happens and you say, well, maybe there's one thing, you know, we weren't trying for this, uh, or we weren't trying for it this way, but wow, here we are. Um, so, you know, I think it, 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 there is a benefit, whether we like it or not, or whether we think it, you know, it should have happened that way or not. USC probably has become part of people's consciousness as an elite university nationally, more through this than almost anything USC's ever done. Yeah. You know, whether that's good or bad, I don't know. But I think it's the reality. And I think it promotes the the celebrity aspect too, which is something that you use as a university. I mean, just USC and UCLA being in this town, you got a lot of celebrity kids that go to school. I remember when I was in school, um, Young MC, if you remember, you know, if you remember him, uh, his uh, Calvin Young, I think his name was like, he had just graduated or just, I think he, we might've overlapped a little bit, but it was like, oh, that's neat. Like a song I listened to on the radio, he goes to USC. Like there's that sort of aspect and it's out there even more now. So you're right. I mean, there's some of the reputation, I guess, of the school might, I mean, obviously a lot of it's getting hurt, but there's still a thought of, oh, I'm a celebrity's kid. I should go to USC. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, I still remember like one of the first games I covered USC and you're waiting outside the locker room in the Coliseum and here comes uh, Henry Winkler, you know, the Fonz. Oh, yeah. And, huh, man, what's, and then somebody says, oh, he's the, he's the head of the Parents Association at USC. I said, oh, okay, well, I guess that's, that's USC. I mean, that's just, that's what it is. It's, it's different. And I think USC has to, you know, guard against that getting carried away with you know with that culture i mean it's 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 kind of cool i think we all kind of think eh, you know you know like go, i was going to my car last year was it and a, and a guy in a like a gray you know really uh I, I, you know chauffeur butler's outfit and he comes out and he kind of stops traffic a little bit and then you look in the into the parking garage and there is this uh you know I don't think it was a, I don't know if it was a Mercedes or a Maybach. It was like the biggest Mercedes you've ever seen. And he goes and jumps in the car and there's, uh, you know, Sylvester Stallone, you know, in the passenger seat. <laughs> he stopped the traffic to let, you know, Sylvester Stallone come out of the parking garage. And I think that's USC. I mean, that's just, that's what happens yeah. at USC. Yeah, Tom Selleck used to go to the uh, men's volleyball games when I was there because his son was on the team. So you would see him. Going like Magnum PIs at your school. Like, that's pretty freaking cool. And then, like, when I was in school, I worked security, which I was like 170 pounds, like soaking wet, uh, <laughs> me being a security guard, but at the Shrine Auditorium. So I worked like for the Grammys and the uh, American Music Awards. And you get that, like, that's my first like celebrity sightings. Like, I remember t- I saw someone tweet about Richard Marks today. I remember talking with him at one of the things and meeting Dick Clark and all this weird stuff. Like, that's kind of all part of USC. Like, that you're just around that stuff. Um, 
But yeah, I don't know. This is weird. We're we're making Keely mad here. What? No, no. <laughs> stop. Stuff. She's the mean girl. Now that I know that you were a mean girl in I high was school. Not a mean girl. <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> you you could tweet her at Keely as my name if you were ever bullied and you were like you're, you're down with bullies. <laughs> no, <laughs> you guys are the mean boys. <laughs> we do kind of pick on always you. picking on me. So last tunnel vision, did you feel like there was an advantage where you had, uh, you know. Two women to, to meet, you know, you guys were like, could team up on me. No, I always run the show. Oh, you were just running the show no matter yeah, what. Yeah, yeah, don't doesn't matter who me. the co-host I, is. I, yeah, I can handle myself. All Thank right. you very much. That's the mean girl training. Yeah, that's God. Okay, wrap this podcast <laughs> up, Ryan. All right. Uh, I guess we'll wrap it up. Uh, I'm not even on cold medicine today, so I've stopped the cold medicine. Maybe that's why maybe I'm a little like pep, you know, maybe perkier pe- now. Pep in your step. A little pep. Uh, that's Dan Weber. That's Keely. You're not a mean girl. I'm Ryan Abraham. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in. To the Parastyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 